Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 211 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on? Uh, it's I was a big loser this weekend, just to come out front about it. Uh, Chelsea lost uh, last Friday. The high school team lost. Uh, my little guys yesterday, we lost. And my fantasy soccer team lost, so point. I'm I have a thirty point lead for in my fantasy football tonight with Goddard and Puka Nakua to play. So I'd like to believe that's safe, but I don't know. The way this weekend's been going, it's not been too good. I, I forget I forget what the feeling of winning is like specifically with Chelsea because <laughs> they keep bringing up the stat like the up to now two wins in our last 18 prem games carrying over from last year that's tough i mean that's a tough look um the club obviously is just packed full of money and it just seems like maybe the (laughs) the money is not not enough um i don't know i i do think chelsea will figure it out but i'm sure at this current juncture uh you're you're feeling you're feeling pretty defeated it's a project. We're set to be a mid-table club. That's what Potch has come out and said. Not not directly, but he said it. it's a project long-term, and we have to reassess what our goals are. And that's just it's not what we're used to. It's not what we should be. It's like kind of how the Patriots are now in the NFL. It's like they were so used to winning every other year, and now they're having to deal with a bit of a drought of, the, of, t- of such. And it's hard to adjust, and I don't think you can. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- you know, it's a, it, like you said, it's a project. That's, that's the only way we can, uh, well, not wait, but you can really look at it, right? Um, <clears throat> okay. What were our records this week? That, on the other hand, really good. Uh, Zach, five and five. <clears throat> Excuse me. Evan, you went six and four. Nice. I had a, a st- historic week. I went nine and one. Unbelievable. Nine and one. Yep, the only one I got wrong was the Brentford-Everton game. I don't think anybody saw Everton win that game. No, I don't really think so either. That one was chalk, unfortunately. So, overall, Evan, you're at 33-26. and 26. All right. Zach is at 37-22, and 22, and I'm at 41-18. and 18. That's 41-18? and 18? Yep, out of the that 59 games so far, yep. Unbelievable, sir. That is yep. very, very good. Yep, I won't. I won't take too much credit. A lot of it's been chalk. Uh, last week, we saw a lot of the big dogs have to pull late winners to get get some extra Ws in that column. But I've been fairly decent with a lot of the mid table teams. And then, obviously, both of us taking Villa over Chelsea was a, was a sharp pick here. You yeah, know, with Villa on the road, uh, the red card helped them as well. But yeah, it's been pretty good so far. Hopefully, it continues. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I suppose we can uh, we can get into our our recaps here, right? Yes, sir. Let's fire away. All right. So first game of the week: Manchester City two, Nottingham Forest nil. Um, pretty easy one for them. They they just move the ball around so well. That's like the main takeaway every time I watch them is is how well they move the ball. Uh, they look pretty bright from the off. They were super confident in possession. Uh, the sixth minute, Doku played a ball in from the flank to Rodri. He picked out Kyle Walker, who was like running up the right edge of the 18. Walker squared it back to Foden, uh, just banged it into the bottom right corner. Uh, just super early reward for stepping on Nottingham Forest, um, who we should say were somewhat organized um, for Nottingham Forest standards. 
Uh, <clears throat> in the 13th minute, there was just a godly link up between Foden and Alvarez on the edge of the 18. Ball got played back to the touchline, and Mateus Nunez <clears throat> played across over the top to Erling Holland, who's just standing unmarked right next to Matt Turner. Cool finish from him with his huge head to make it 2 0. Uh, well, Matt Turner's just, he's looking three passes behind by the time the ball's in the back of the net. Uh, they just moved the ball so quick. <clears throat> there was a couple more chances in the first half from Alvarez, but none of them really ever tested Turner. Uh, and then in the 46th minute, bit surprising here, Rodri got involved in a beef. Uh, not really, uh, it, it's very unlike him. And then he got sent off for putting his hands around the neck of Morgan Gibbs-White uh, during the scuffle. Some are saying he's dodging the Declan Rice test. Uh, I am some. The straight red will have him off for three league matches. Couple chances for Nottingham Forest at the end, but pretty easy 2 0 uh, for City. <clears throat> yeah, the bigger storyline is, as you mentioned, the Rodri card. It withholds him from their next three, and one of those is the, the Arsenal matchup, which is crucial in the early stages of the year so far. So um, that also includes the Wolves and a matchup with Brighton. So. Big games for them. They're on. They're undefeated so far. Obviously, top of the league, eighteen out of eighteen points. But yeah, I don't know what they're going to do moving forward with that position because Bernardo Silva is also set to be out this next upcoming matchup when they play Wolves. So we're going to see some sort of match of of what's it? Nunez, Kovacic, or Callan Phillips. I, I believe fortunate for them, John Stones might be coming back this weekend potentially but he's not up to full match sharpness either so the midfield's a massive problem from them there because he obviously is one of their main players on the team sheet that comes in and and is the what really gets them going up to what they do and uh this forest team did pretty well we've been saying them against all these big teams so far united arsenal chelsea making games out of them when other people thought they were going to get blown out but yeah, they held firm. They have the depth now to play multiple styles. This game they didn't play, or I should say they didn't start Alanga or Hudson-Odoi. Those guys came off the bench. So good attacking players to bring off the bench or start instead of Gibbs-White having to do everything. He plays more in a narrow role. And uh, as well as their back line, they get some depth there too. So I think this is a positive result for Forrest. They can come out of here, showing they're a gritty team and can stick it out. They're sitting in 12th right now on seven points. Six points clear of the drop. And then City, as you mentioned, six for six. Doesn't look like any problems there. Only now without Rodri and KDB and yeah. Bernardo Silva. We'll see what that midfield looks like without all those. Yep. Um, all right, let's move on. Crystal Palace nil, Fulham nil. Uh, the mid-off of the weekend. Zero goals in this one. Was nice to see Roy Hodgson back on the bench after missing last week's defeat against Villa due to illness. Uh, Palace were very shaky at the go. Uh, in the 10th minute, William fired a shot at Johnstone from the edge of the area, but Johnston did well to get to it. Uh, Fulham definitely looked the livelier bunch early, I thought. In the 16th, Eze put a good ball in, but Anderson and Ward just banged into each other and sold the chance. Uh, probably could have gone 1-0 up there with that cross, but uh, just uh, failure to communicate or low intelligence, I'm not sure what it was, but they fucked it good. Uh, in the 34th minute, the best chance of the first half uh, was Jimenez. He latched onto a lob through ball, but Johnston did well to deflect. It, he hit it so hard, and he just deflected it right to the left of his post. 
Uh, Jimenez, no matter how open he is, can seemingly not score at all. Just can't turn anything into the net. Then in the 41st, Palace's first strike, uh, chance of the half. Uh, as they found a pocket, cut in. Unfortunately, his shot just didn't have enough curl on it. Uh, fizzed just wide of the post. And this was kind of a turn of pace in the game. Uh, going into halftime, Palace definitely looked more lively. And then they came out and were the much better team in the second half. Uh, in the 57th minute, Eze and the boys moved the ball quickly, got another chance at the goal, but it got deflected. In the 65th, Fulham's like final chance of the game, really. Jimenez missed again, just wide open, missed it, could not could not beat the keeper. And then in the 82nd, uh, Johnston denied William one last time. Uh, he, he had a really good game. Like Sam Johnston, absolutely, no doubt about it, uh, was the reason that Palace were able to get out of this with a point. I think Fulham were probably better if you combine both performances, but still, like when I watch Crystal Palace, there's there's more talent. Fulham still just playing kind of shakily. Uh, even Ream and, and Robinson, I don't think they either of them looked great. So definitely changes in pace for Fulham in, in terms of what we expected based on last year. A lot of that comes down to Mitrovic, I think. Um, and Palace, you know, they'll take a point, but I think they're going to be disappointed. Yeah, both goalkeepers were MVPs. Really, on really the day. good. Yeah. Uh, Palace did bring in Dean Henderson on deadline days, but I don't think Sam Johnson loses his spot anytime soon. Mm-mm. After the way he's been performing, he took over at the start of the season or at the end of last season from Guaita, who's been aged out of the squad. Um, good youth based team here. For me, when I was watching this game or the highlights, uh, I felt like Palace had more direct and. Um, more appealing attacks compared to Fulham. Uh, Fulham got their back line there. No Kenny Tete. He picked up a muscular injury, so Castagna moved from starting on the left to replace Robinson now on the right. He seems like a good, versatile player to have for them. Um, the midfield did okay. Uh, Harry Wilson not starting, I thought, was a bit bit iffy, but De Cordova Reed stood in there and did okay. Yeah, just not. You can't really get too much from a nil-nil. You get the you get the good build-up play, but then obviously the end product isn't there. So, um, moving forward, uh, both teams look like they'll be mid-level. Um, and yeah, it's hard to really break out uh, who was better here. But I think Lerma being out for Palace was also a big miss. Even though Will Hughes did a great job on the day, um, he allows he allows Decore to do more of his job um, better and then obviously he's an absolute unit in there next to him so i think palace still neat waiting on other players to come back and getting a result like this is fine so they look good yeah okay on to the next luton one wolves one another mid-off um the 10th minute carlton morris rattled the bar with just a fucking lightning strike seed uh ball bounced out wolves cleared it uh, in the 17th, Luton break again, but Morris got in the way of an absolute rip that could have gone in. Uh, Dowdy seemed like he was just sick to his stomach because Luton had really been cooking up to this point. Uh, they probably should have got that one to go. And then in the 38th, things got a little testy. Uh, the new one, new new boy, Bellegarde, stepped on Tom Lockyer's head like a moron and just got sent straight off. Um, this is one of Wolves, like only good signings in the last couple of years. And he did this shit. Uh, maybe the signing wasn't as good as I thought, but Wolves were down to 10 men, uh, in the 49th Pedro Neto just fucking screamed down the line. He took it to the touchline, cut in 
belted straight at the keeper above him. So it did go in, but uh, that was an unbelievable goal from, from Pedro Neto. Luton were totally the better half or a better team in the first half. And this was a super successful counterattack in the 62nd, uh, much to Wolves dismay. A penalty was awarded to Luton after a handball was called in the box. Bit of an unlucky deflection off of Gomez because it came off of his leg. Uh, came off of his leg on a cross, then up into his hand. There's not really much you can do to stop that, but his hand was away from his body. So by the rule, uh, that is a penalty. Carlton Morris thundered home. Big goal for the first point of Luton's season. 1-1, final score. They had to share it. Yeah, I listened back to last week's predictions, and that's basically what I said was going to happen. Luton's going to get something out of this due to some squeaky VAR decision, and they did. Um, Wolves going down to 10 men also helped them. But yeah, Pedro Neto on Wolves' side has been a massive bright spot for them. He's truly holding his own and getting them anything out of this year. Uh, the back line, same as ever. Uh, Max Kilman stood out on the day, had like 10 aerial clearances. Uh, midfield was mid. Uh, Cunha doesn't seem like he's the, he's the correct nine up there. He just doesn't have that big presence as Jimenez did, but Jimenez didn't have that end product either. End product either. Yeah. So maybe they give that Kolejidic uh, a chance up there, like the six seven Serb. He could be a great strong point for them to target going forward. But yeah, they're going to be flimsy and Luton massive point at home. Big for Rob Edwards. He came out after and said uh, that uh, they could the media can move on and start talking about other, somebody else now. Now that they're finally off the mark, so um, good for them. They get into a double week i think this this week they have i think they play they play everton and then they play burnley and those are two massive opportunities for them to pick up some points and give themselves a little bit of breathing room from that bottom area where right now the bottom three is all the newly promoted teams all on one point so yep. positive for them get some going uh they had 20 shots here on the day which is great moving forward showing that they have some creativity and uh should be interesting to see if they go with this back five more often or if they go back to how they were before with a three midfield there yeah. Um, up next, Brentford 1, Everton 3. This was a Sean Dyche masterclass. In the fifth minute, Abdullah Ducouré got the ball off a header that just stemmed from a, a James Garner cross. Uh, it was nudged down to Ducouré. He collected it and just ripped it off the volley. 1-0 to the Toffees of the G-Tech. This is a crazy finish from a player who is... He's really a CDM, and he plays so far up the pitch... I, this was the first Everton game I've watched in a while where I sat and watched the entire game. He plays like on the, the back shoulder of the forward. He's so close to him. He's, he's playing center forward and I don't know how or why, but he, he was extremely effective. Um, in the, I think it was about maybe 10 or 15 minutes later, uh, Matthias Jensen hit an absolute screamer. Uh, Pickford couldn't cope. Goal was checked by VAR, but was awarded anyway. Um, apparently, there was some offside with uh, Jon Visa, but he looked totally onside to me the entire time, and the VAR check uh, absolutely proved that correct. So, uh, 1 1, 35. Uh, Beto bungled a chance. He just scraped the ball right across the face of the goal instead of putting it on frame. That was, that was piss poor. In the 66th minute, James Tarkovsky with a lovely finish with his head from a ball. In for McNeil in the corner. Ducouré did a great job here. He set a pick. This is a screen assist. Um, just blocked Lewis, uh, Lewis Potter and Flecken. Didn't allow them to get to the ball. Tarkovsky got loose. 2-1 to Everton. And then in the 70th minute, 
Uh, Garner found the substitute DCL, uh, who he was streaking forward, played a crisp through ball to the once footballer turned model. Uh, he turned it expertly past Fleck in. It was good to see him back on the pitch, though, and he looks as handsome as ever. Uh, the final 10 minutes were pretty poor for Brentford, despite uh, Godos changing things a bit. Uh, just too much of a deficit to overcome and, and with 10 minutes left. This was a great performance by Everton. Good at the back, really good going forward, uncharacteristically good, uh, and just kind of a shocking performance by Brentford. Things are, are looking kind of bleak for Thomas Frank and his mob. Yeah, I believe they said that's four straight uh, for the first time in I don't know how long, but a while they said for first four four games at home or four games in a row at home. They didn't pick up a win. Uh, that's only one win on the season for them so far out of six. They're on a four game winless streak as well. Still sit 13th with a zero goal differential, nine, four, nine against um, scoring quite a bit, but also giving up a lot and giving up three to an Everton team. That's been really struggling. And that scored uh, over half of what they've done so far in the first, uh, in their first five uh, it was really bad signs for them defensively. Nathan Collins isn't seeming like uh, ready to be that partner with Pinnock. Maybe Ben me, me Ben me need has a tongue twister. Ben me needs to get back in there next to him. I don't know what his fitness is like, but the loss of Rico Henry as well at left back for a majority of the remainder in the year is uh, going to be an issue for them because he's a massive creative force for them going forward on the left flank. And uh, they picked up an unfortunate injury in the pre-match warm-up from Kevin Shada. Yeah, was uh, taking some shots and had a bit of a, a groin injury there. They showed on the on the um, the broadcast and uh, was questionable if he was going to start. And then they ultimately switched him out. So key players being out, obviously the Tony situation as well. Now talks of him potentially leaving in January, which seems like it's getting more and more likely. But um, Everton side, it's all positive there. Beto. Is a good substitute for DCL now that DCL's fit and scored. Does he get the start next time, or potentially do they play two up front, which very few teams in this league do due to uh, having wanting to have the the numbers in the midfield. But if they're being more of a route one, whipped balls in, having two strikers like they are could prove to be a game changer for them, especially in matchups like this to mid to lower t- tier opposition. Um, your defend your defenders contributing in the attack is always nice to see. Uh, McNeil on the corner, uh, the set piece Garner's doing good, and next match Jack Harrison should be available as well. So he'll be a nice addition. Potentially knocks Gardner out of the side due to that trio in the middle being pretty much a lock every game. So it seems like they're getting their depth, and now Dan Juma off the bench as well is proven to be good. So yeah. um, this this could potentially be a one-off. We're, we're more likely to see Everton have three to four bad games in a row and then have one um, one weird one come out like this, similar to how they beat Brighton 5-1 last year towards the end of the season, which saved them. So good. Hopefully it turns a corner for them and can ho- hopefully keep them going. And with a matchup against Luton next should be another one they look to win, especially when it's at home. Yep. Um, okay, let's move on. Burnley, nil. Manchester United, one. Uh, stinky little Manchester United face a Lyle Fosterless Burnley, Burnley at Turf Moor. Uh, in the ninth minute, Onana made what seems like his first save in a United shirt. Uh, turned away a great header from M. Dooney. Uh, put it on frame, but Onana got to it. In the 24th minute, none other than Johnny Evans as a header ruled offside. Ball came from a corner kick, and he rose up. 
uh, did excellently to finish it, but the keeper was unfortunately impeded by Rasmus Toilet. Sickens me to see because it would have been pretty all right to see uh, that ancient relic Johnny Evans score a goal. But then in the 44th minute, Johnny Evans redeemed himself with one of the most delightful lob through balls I have ever seen a center back play. Played it into Bruno Fernandez. He finished one time right past James Trafford. It was so filthy. Uh, and just honestly, it, it, he's old. He's really old. Probably shouldn't be playing. 35. That That's really old these days, especially to be playing on a relatively young uh, United team. Should see um, Tiago Silva at 39. No, I know. But Tiago Silva, like Johnny Evans was never the best defender in the world like Tiago Silva was. Um, no, but he's just hard and gritty, and he's from the old United era. That's true. That's true. And and he did it. I mean, what a, what an unreal assist there. Then in the 58th, Rashford nodded one down to, to Rasmus Hoyland. He was just too slow. Couldn't get to the ball. CB poked it away. And honestly, Burnley just did not threaten all that much in this one. United just eked out a very unspectacular three-point win. I, I'm thoroughly unconvinced. Yeah, I'm really look, turning against uh, our predictions for them finishing 12th. I think we got really too far ahead of ourselves, and didn't too, we weren't considering the, the jump from the championship to the Prem too much. We were fully bought in on what they did, so... Now coming out with still no wins, only scoring four goals, which is the second fewest, and giving up the the second most there with thirteen, only behind Sheffield after what we, what we'll get to later. But um, still, it's looking pretty bad. And uh, Lyle Foster was a big miss. He was their nine. Amdouni came in and had a bit of a fa- it factor to him. Uh, that that Coley show, Coleo show at left wing did okay. Not what he did the previous week. And yeah, they just don't have a lot of key players to really dig them out of situations like this and to create things. And against a Man United team who more so sit in and play on the counter, it uh, it didn't it doesn't help, especially against low block teams. But um, for United, it's a massive three points, gets them their first win after two loss two losses in a row. They're back in the top half with nine points, sitting in ninth position, right above Palace, who they're going to be playing this weekend. Uh, and Bruno getting the goal was big too. Um, I think, I think he's the only one now with double digit or with multiple goals now in the season. He leads the team with two in the Prem. Um, but yeah, I think Hoyland up top is their best option, which isn't saying much, but still, he had he had something different. And youth and wants to challenge players, getting in behind and also pressing is nice. Uh, what did you think about Hannibal getting the start at the ten? I mean, I think Hannibal made Maybury. How do you say his last name? I think Mabry or I think it's Mabry. I th- actually think he looks pretty lively. Um, he wants to play for the badge. That that's that's kind of all you can ask for right now because they have so many guys that just seem so discontent and and uninspired. Uh, Mabry is relatively young, and if he wants to play for the badge, then fucking give him a chance. I you know I love that. I'm I'm happy with that. Right, good for that. Yeah, Mason Mount should be making a return within the next week or so before the international break. Uh, we did see Amrabat get a debut in here, but he was playing a left back, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Um, came in for Regulon. He ultimately almost cost him a, a point there, uh, giving up a free kick at the end, but did okay. McTominay next to Casemiro as well. That strong partnership. Two, two bulky guys. Rashford didn't have to do too much. We didn't see him like in the previous week taking guys on and on. 
But um, yeah, it's a big result for them. Now they have to host the Palace team that is a wild card because they don't really score too much, but they challenge you quite a bit and aren't that uh, scared in the back. Pretty pretty strong too. So it's going to be a good matchup for them. Yep. All right, let's move on to your mob. Uh, Chelsea nil, Aston Villa one. Uh, sharp picks. In the fourth minute, Caicedo fired one directly at Emmy Martinez after Nico Jackson, the king of yellow cards, the king of descent, uh, mugged Douglas Louise. I know he's out. He's got to miss next game because he has five uh, five yellow cards, right? Yep, already in six games. Right? Is absolutely mental. Um, two minutes later, great forward play. Found Sterling alone on the right flank, but he couldn't find Jackson in the center, and the ball goes out. In the 18th minute, Luca Digne ripped a ball off the rebound. When I say ripped, I mean this shit was absolutely smoked. Uh, Robert Sanchez made an unreal effort to turn it over the bar. Lucky not to go down 1-0 here. Uh, In the 25th, Nico Jackson could unfortunately not finish his own breakfast after Mudrick played him on. 13 minutes later in the 38th, Robert Sanchez makes another save off a corner chance. He was the man of the match uh, up until this point, I thought. After uh, the halftime whistle, the 46th minute, Chelsea started the second half quite brightly when Thiago Silva played a dart down the right flank. Raheem Sterling received, but was unable to beat Martinez in a 1v1 situation. The sitter was missed. In the 54th, we had a point of contention when Malo Gusto made a late challenge and was handed a yellow card. Unfortunately, you know, it wasn't a great challenge, but... Uh, he was kind of already on his way down on a pitch that seemed kind of slippery. Uh, the referee goes to the VAR monitor, however, and decided to cancel the yellow and send him off on a straight red instead. I thought this was a bit harsh, but uh, you know, how did how did you feel about that one? You think that's a red? Yeah, I mean, it was similar to the Casemiro one last year, where he initially made contact on the ball and his foot rolled over the ball, and then hit the player, so they deem that a red. So, I mean, if they're going to follow suit and be consistent, then yeah, but it's just to a player that is covering for our for our starter now, and now I'm sure Reese James isn't going to be out, going to be back for the next game. So now with Gusto out for three and Reese James out for however long, now we have a massive hole there um, with a center, another center back to having to fill. So we're going to have most likely four center backs play in our back line. If we continue with this formation, it'll be Caldwell at left back, and then I guess Dezazi at right back, and then I think uh, Badia Shield should be back. So um, if he continues not playing Ben Showell, so a lot of questions. But yeah, I do think that was a red card if they follow consistently. All right, fair enough. Uh, a couple minutes later, in the seventy-second, Mudrick cooked the defender, but couldn't find anyone in the center. Ball got played out and uh, unfortunately found Watkins shortly after, where he finished on a rebound right past Robert Sanchez. 1-0 to Villa and Watkins' first Premier League goal this season. At the end, there was a great ball played in from Cole Palmer, a new signing to uh, Chilwell, who was unable to beat Emmy Martinez. He looked for the pass, but just couldn't find Sterling in the center either. He was busting his gut trying to get in the middle, but he just couldn't get there. Uh, Lone goal separated the two teams in London. Yeah, it went how we thought. Um, I also knew Watkins was going to score. He literally did nothing the entire game um, up until that goal, which just I didn't know how to react because he was on my fantasy team, but at the same time, it's like I love my it's my team. Um, Sanchez kept us in this. This could have been 3-4. 
Um, but yeah, uh, Enzo Fernandez putting in a mid performance. Gallagher trying his hardest. Caicedo again, not too much. Um, Sterling and Mujic really just couldn't get it there for me. Every time Mujic tried to create something, he got dispossessed. And when Sterling got the ball, he would get his little penguin. He would get his little happy feet going and run into somebody and not make a move because I don't know if he knows how to make a, a skill move on somebody, but. Yeah, the Nico Jackson suspension should be interesting. Does Broya start because he did get minutes here? Um, if not, is he going to go with what we've done in the past, just play Sterling up there or uh, another midfielder? Um, who knows? Maybe just try Mudrick up there because just get him in behind and let him let his feet speak for him. But yeah, I don't know. This just it's really hard to talk in positives for them and to look for any bright side on things. Um, they're utilizing Sterling in a positive way, but he ultimately shoots himself in the foot. Villa, big three points, continues the narrative that they're a decent side, even though they have um, key injuries to players throughout their team. We did see uh, Jacob Ramsey make a return after a long injury. Held him out from the, the beginning of the year. Um, and yeah, we, we held Diaby to almost nothing, but mm-hmm. just one just one chance cost us and uh, continues to put us in this, in this, narr- in this little um, social media hoax or meme community where we're just going to get memed on until we get some put some results together and just, and let our let the money finally look like it was worth something yeah um all right let's move on to the north london derby an electric north london derby saw the two teams walk away with a point apiece in the third minute basuma found sun after the balls played in off a corner sun turned to pass raya but he was clearly offside pain avoided for me thank god uh in the 13th odegaard found Saka, who cut his way inside and played a lovely cross to jesus on the left edge of the six unfortunately jesus fired it right at vicario who turned it just wide of the goal in the 15th, we had dangerous defender play from Spurs at founding Ketia with the ball 1v1 versus Vicario. Unfortunately, again, and Ketia blasts it right at him and it goes out for a corner. In the 25th minute, the seas parted for Bukayo Saka on the edge of the 18. He fired a curler for the far post, but Romero, Christian Romero, that's right, World Cup, you know, just demon center back, stepped in to block it, and unfortunately, he wasn't in the right spot. Ball glanced off his leg right into the right side of the net uh, where a leftward diving Vicario was unable to do anything. Own goal was awarded to Romero, 1-0 to the good guys. Uh, In the 37th, Spurs broke and Sun played just an oddly pass through traffic to Brennan Johnson who turned it on frame. Raya did really, really well to get across the goal and to the ball and knocked it down to safety. Couple minutes later, Madison skins Saka alive, squared the ball to a heavily covered Sun in the six. Some I don't know how Sun got his foot around and to the ball, but he did some sort of witchcraft and flicked the ball across his own body and right into the net. This that was a delectable poach. Like that's a really, really good finish. Uh halftime comes, it's one one at half. The 49th penalty awarded. Romero's hand got hit, so two big mistakes for Romero. Um, clear goal-scoring opportunity. It's got to be an awarded penalty. Uh, and then the PFA Young Player of the Year, Bukayo Saka, steps up, restores the lead. And then it came. Uh, five minutes later, Jorginho, who had come on to replace an injured Declan Rice, I believe, fucking ruined my day. 
lost the ball to Madison playing with it at his feet. Literally nobody behind him. I don't know why there's nobody behind Jorginho, but there's not. Uh, Madison played the ball to Sun, who finished calmly past Raya. I was sick to my stomach. Uh, I think maybe maybe he's a, a Chelsea double agent at this point. And then there wasn't really anything worth talking about uh, at the end. I mean, it was just scrappy, you know, after like the 70th minute, uh, 65th, really scrappy. No more goals, but... 2-2 two, two, to two, I think, good teams this year. That's You have to really give Tottenham credit. They were very, very good, despite the, all the errors they made. Yeah, I think Tottenham should be the happier of the two. Going yeah, to yeah. It, the Emirates picking up a big 2-2 two, two draw. Your big players stepping up in Madison and Son. Um, Brendan Johnson didn't have a good showing. He got subbed off in the toward the 60th minute. Might have picked up a knock there, so not not a good debut start for him. Um, but yeah, I, I would be disappointed if I'm an Arsenal fan with Jorginho coming in and the Rice getting subbed off at half. That's that's a tough scene because he's crucial, similar to Rodri in the City lineup. And uh, Havertz had a bit of an impact. He got involved, but yeah, just ultimately you go up and then you let him back in. You go up and you let him back in. And it's it's tough. A lot of cards in the game as well. It lived up to the rivalry. And, uh, yeah, I think both of these teams have strong shouts to finish in the top four this year um, easily uh, with the way they've started. Both of them are still undefeated. We have four teams left this in the league that haven't picked up a loss in City, Liverpool, uh, and these two clubs. So looking good so far. Don't really have too much to worry about. Um, and, yeah, they pick up some stripes here, and uh, they're going to move forward and learn from this. All right, Liverpool 3, West Ham 1. Started off really well, actually, for West Ham. Allison had to make a really good save in the fifth minute to deny Suchek. Uh, Two minutes later, Antonio was marked or unmarked in the box, and he missed a header. In the 15th, however, uh, things came tumbling down. Aguirre stonewalled Salah in the box. He was awarded a penalty, which he turned in calmly, of course. Uh, In the 37th, Salah just missed the net. In the 41st, Kufal played in a great cross to Jared Bowen, who stooped low to turn a diving header into the left post and in past Allison. Really good link up from Alvarez to Antonio. And that one ball went wide to Kufal, and then the cross was played in right to Bowen. So really nicely worked goal for West Ham. Uh, in the 59th, McAllister played a divine ball over the top to Darwin Nunez, who was on the hip of the last man. He shirks him. One touches the ball past Areola. 2-1 to Liverpool. In the 84th, Robertson played a great ball into a very red West Ham 18-yard box, where Jota was uh, was able to turn a deflection into an assist. Finished calmly past Areola. Honestly, at the end of the day, West Ham had a lot of chances. Uh, unfortunately, they bungled two early chances. Could have been a draw another day, honestly. Um, it, it's tough. Games like this against teams like Liverpool, who are just so clinical, are really hard. Uh, and it's a shame because West Ham were genuinely pretty bright in the first half. Just defensively, they make they make a ton of errors. So hopefully they're able to, to clean that up because I think this West Ham team has the personnel to, to actually be decent. Um, I know I've been obviously proved wrong for my preseason prediction. But they've been quite good so far. Definitely proving me wrong. Yeah, they, they're on two two losses in a row, but it's to Man City and Liverpool, which it seems like every time 
I see a team play Man City. They always play Liverpool next or vice versa. I don't know how the scheduling does that every time I see a team play. They always play those teams next to each other. But yeah, it, it's you You need a lot to go your way when you play Liverpool at Anfield. And they had that nice goal. It was well worked. And it was put in a spot where Allison didn't have a chance. And that's the only way you're going to score on these types of teams, the top tier teams. Everything has to be perfect. And the, it couldn't happen multiple times. And Liverpool, on the other hand... They got the penalty early, Darwin Nunes scoring from McAllister, who played higher up here, which helped a lot, and then Jota off the bench. I mean, Van Dyke in the air on set pieces was dominant. It seemed like West Ham didn't have an answer to cope with him on his return, and he looked like a man on the mission. He got, he was up there with that assist, and he, he, made, he was rated the highest in a lot of websites, the, keeping track of stats and stuff. He was rated highest out of all the Liverpool players, even ahead of Salah, so... Um, he was well missed, and I don't think West Ham can hang their heads too much about it. They're coming off a Thursday game in the Europa League, and uh, moving forward should be okay. I think JWP at the 10 was good. Bowen coming back, even though talks where he was a doubt on the game with illness, but he got his goal. And uh, yeah, shouldn't be too bad for them moving forward with better matchups. And I think this week they, they're playing Sheffield. They play Sheffield this weekend, and... We have some League Cup matches as well in the midweek, so definitely better results coming for them. Yep. Okay, let's move on to Brighton 3, Bournemouth 1. In the 15th minute, Ryan Christie turned the first chance of the game wide of the post, but we will say nice build-up from Clivert and the boys there. In the 24th minute, however, things fell in Bournemouth's favor. Verbruggen paid the price for a very poor pass in the backfield. Dominic Solanke found himself with the ball and finishes over top of Verbruggen. This was really good pressing. It was almost like a trick play. Um, Christie came out from the left side, just trapped him, played the ball right out to Solanke, and Solanke finished over him. This was kind of gritty. Uh, unfortunately, this is Brighton we're talking about. They're not just going to lay down. And in the 46th minute, Right at the end of the first half, Milos Kerkes turned a threatless cross into a goal for the goals. Gilmore played it in. Milos Kerkes stepped up, taps it right into goal off of his head. But to be fair, this is kind of a netto issue. Uh, he probably should have stepped up and definitely should have been calling for this one. So we'll we'll put the blame on him instead of Kerkes. Uh, and then after the uh, halftime whistle was blown, uh, Karu Matoma came on. 17 seconds. It's all it took all it took he absolutely ripped the Bournemouth defense open and Sufati closed down ball came back to him he played it to Dahoud and then Dahoud just played quietly to Matoma he stretched out tapped it past the Bournemouth keeper and then in I think it was almost it was very close to the end Matoma with his two-piece uh lovely header uh finished in from Purvis Stupinian who found a streaking Matoma in the middle of the box Bournemouth are truly terrible. I don't know how they left him open, but they did. This was easy as you like. Didn't matter. They were down 1-0. Uh, lovely 3-1 win for Brighton. Yeah, Bournemouth first seem more like like Wolves every time I watch them play. They're, they have the potential to get good results here and get off to a good start in that 25th minute off a blunder from the Brighton goalkeeper who most likely they, they've been rotating steel and this guy who they brought in this year. Um, it's probably going to be steel moving forward, but this is how Brighton plays. They live and die by the buildup from the back and with their goalkeeper need to have good possession on the ball and good feet. Uh, we might see more, more, more cases like this moving forward, but yeah, it's uh other than that, Bournemouth weren't too involved. 
Um, Brighton starters, specifically their attackers, couldn't get too much. The changes at halftime were massive, uh, and getting that own goal to equalize before half was critical to Zerbi and his talk and what changes he was going to make. And Matoma put a great 45 minutes in after their unfortunate loss in the Europa League. And he bounced back with that with the brace, and uh, Estupinon being back as well helped it too. So, yeah, it's Brighton keep rolling. They currently sit third in the table, right behind City and Liverpool. Um, the only loss to that the, to West Ham there on that odd one, but they've scored the most goals with 18, two more than Man City, which is crazy um, with how they're playing and Holland having already eight goals. Um, and Brighton are still doing better than that. So we could be seeing a decline in that now that they have to play a bit harder competition moving forward. Um, the, they got Villa this weekend, then they play then they play Liverpool, and then Man City, as I mentioned. They always play those two back-to-back. So three tougher matches. If they can pick up seven points, at least seven points in those next three, it's serious. Like, they're throwing the gauntlet down. They're here. They built the squad up even after losing Caicedo. Um, and um, who else did they lose? Why am I blanking? Uh, Brighton? Yeah, they got rid of Caicedo and somebody else. They lost their keeper too. Sanchez is gone. I guess if you consider him. Um, I know who you're talking about. Couldn't tell you off the top of my head though. Yeah, but still, I mean, it's crazy how well they do selling players big, um, buying low, and are still continually proving to be better and better as the years go on. So. We'll see if they can compete, but yeah, a, a three points that we thought was going to come here against a Bournemouth team that are still looking for their first win. Yeah, and then our final game of the week, Sheffield United nil, Newcastle 8. Um, eight goals, eight different scores. I didn't even look them up. Uh, I This game I didn't watch any of because football had started and I was I was locked in. Can you tell me what the fuck happened here? Yeah, um, I mean, it was the craziest match I think I've seen in a while, even considering those nine nils United put on Chef on Southampton. Um, at home, putting up a zero and giving up eight is incredible and eight different scores. It was crazy. And it, I think it started there early on, first 12 minutes, nothing happened, but... Gordon coming in for Barnes, who picked up an unfortunate injury, changed changed the game because Anthony Gordon played like a madman. This was the guy that Chelsea wanted last year for 50-60 mil, and Everton were building their team around. like this. He was the guy that showed up today, an absolute X-factor. He's been having a good start to the year. Sean Longstaff getting the goal from Gordon, and then the Trippier show with the next three on, on set pieces to two of his defenders and Vernon Botman. And then Callum Wilson getting his goal as normal. Gordon got his own from from Elliot Anderson in the 61st. Almiron, 68th minute from Guimarães. Guimarães got his own in the 73rd. We had Isak and Tonali and Livermento come in, and then Isak got his in the 87th off a mistake in the back in the in the build-up play. Um, it's a game where you want to burn the tape and just bury yourself in a hole for the next couple days. I don't know how Sheffield bounces back from this. Um, just it's it's hard to show your face to the fans afterwards to walk around and the disappointment in their faces with with how the season's going so far and I don't know how 
Paul Heckenbaum's got much time left. They play West Ham this week, which is a match that you would think normally would be winnable or to get some points out of, but I don't know where, how they come out of here. They're going to be coming out hot and like uh, with a chip on their shoulder to prove that that eight to nothing was a blip. But um, for Newcastle, I mean, it's great. They had a rough start. Now they're cooking. Uh, put up a nil-nil result against Milan in the in the uh, Champions League, and now they they bounce back and moving forward should be okay. I think they play they play Man City on Wednesday in the League Cup which is going to be tough. And then they play Burnley this weekend. So should be okay for them moving forward. Yeah. Um, okay. That is all the games for the week. Uh, let us jump into our previews. We have Aston Villa taking on Brighton Saturday at 730. Uh, I'll take this one. I am going to take Brighton in this one. I just think they've been super, super sharp. Um Maybe not quite as good as they were at the end of last season, but I'm going to take Brighton. I, th- I think they can beat Villa here. I wasn't all that impressed with Villa at Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea aren't super threatening right now. I don't think they defend all that well. Uh, so I'll go with Brighton. I think Evan Ferguson and Matoma should cut them open pretty well. Zach's going Brighton as well. I'm going to take a draw here. I think Villa's game plan is similar to what they did against Chelsea. Brighton's going to hold a lot of the ball. A lot of focus building out from the back. I think Villa have enough legs in them to press and get a nice little counterattack goal in them as well. Um, should be a, a wake-up game for Diaby after his no-show against Chelsea there. And uh, I think they share the points here. Yeah, okay. Uh, Manchester United versus Crystal Palace up next. Uh, this one's you, Matt. Go ahead, give me, give me your pick. It's going to be tough. My initial thoughts was Palace here to get something out of it. I think they're going to hold the ball more than United here, even though it's on the road. I would say differently if Alisse was there, but I think I'm still going to go with United here. Uh, with the way they counter is hard to deal with, and for Palace, I think they're going to be caught out a bit, and Zach's going to take United as well. Okay. Uh, I'll take a draw. I think this one ends in a 1-1. Uh, I like Palace's chances here. I'm thinking maybe if they start Mateta. Uh, they need to change formation, I think. Like, low-key, play Mateta and Edward, and then just play Eze centrally at Cam. I think that would be unreal. They'd have many, many more chances if those two played off of each other instead of just having Edward up there as the solo striker. Yeah, It's not going to happen. They're not going to go more narrow. Um, but I, I genuinely think that could change things a little bit for them. It'd be nice to be able to play two formations, just change it based on who you're playing. United are kind of porous at the back, so Palace should have at least a couple of chances. It's just a matter of if they can turn them in or not. So I'll go with the draw. I, I fancy Palace's chances here. Uh, up next, Newcastle versus Burnley. Uh, I think that one's fairly straightforward. Burnley have been pretty poor. Newcastle are coming off an 8-0 win against another promotion side. Uh, I'll go with Newcastle on this one. Yeah, nothing too much to add. Both of us taking Newcastle on this side. Okay, uh, and then Wolves versus Man City up next. I'll take Man City. Yeah, I'm taking Man City. So, Zach, little hesitancy with uh, Rodri being out as well as Bernardo Silva. Going to have a lot of – they're going to have new faces in there or players that we don't see too often get a majority of the minutes or starts in Phillips and then the new boys in Nunes and Kovacic who aren't too familiar with the pep system as obviously Rodri and Bernardo are KDB put him in there too. So 
Should be interesting against a Wolves side that are capable of pulling crazy crazy upsets here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, City for me. And then we have Bournemouth versus Arsenal. Up next, I'll take Arsenal there. Yeah, I'm taking Arsenal as well. They put on a great showing there with that 3-2 late winner with uh, Reese Nelson. Um, should be standard here. I don't expect too much out of Bournemouth. And I don't know if Rice is going to be fit. I don't know if it was a serious injury or, or as you mentioned or not, but should be okay to go here against a Bournemouth team who are looking for their first win and could play a little bit harder. But I think Arsenal, if they go up early, can put that to bed. Okay. Uh, and then we have West Ham versus Sheffield United. Who do you have in that one? Going with Ham, going with the Hammers. So Zach, uh, I don't, I don't see Seth Sheffield bouncing back from that. Travel, having to travel down to East London here against a West Ham team who are also looking to get a result after two disappointing, tough losses to big teams. So they're they're looking out to to put another hammering on Sheffield here. Okay, and then we have, uh, oh, sorry, I'll take West Ham on this one. By the way, and then we have Everton versus Luton Town. Up next, uh, I'm going to go with Everton. I think they looked inspired last week. They should be able to carry it over against a pretty soft opponent. I'm going with Everton as well. I love the matchup. It's it's similar to... It's a, it's a dice type of game. It's going to be ugly. Both teams looking to play their big man up top. Um, unless DCL's up there, still they whip balls into him too. It's, it's a good matchup. And Zach's going to go on the other side. He's going to take Luton with a, a road win here. Okay. Interesting. Up next, we have Tottenham versus Liverpool. Matt, who do you have there? I got to go with Liverpool here. I think their play is more direct and is more dangerous than Arsenal here at the moment. I think Liverpool are going to really test that Tottenham back line, and I don't really know if they have an... uh, It's similar to Saka. Saka had a great game last week, and uh Salah is more of an end product at the moment and is at yeah. the peak of the prem so I don't I think it's going to be double time and I think Liverpool get the win Zach's going to go with Liverpool as well yeah I'm going to go with Liverpool too I think I low-key think they just cooked Tottenham in this game I know Tottenham kept it together last week but if they make those mistakes with all of those attackers that Liverpool have uh defensively you know the ones they made last week it's going to be really tough so I'm going to take Liverpool I think they I low-key think they route Tottenham in this one yeah, that'd be a shock. Yeah. Um, okay, and then Nottingham Forest versus Brentford up next. Two teams that are uh, Nottingham Forest. You know they're they're playing all right. They're probably playing higher than what their standard is. Brentford, I'd say maybe a little bit lower so far. Uh, I'm gonna go with a. Uh, I think I'll go with Brentford. Actually, I'm gonna go with Brentford. I think they win this one. People are gonna be all over the draw, but I'll take Brentford. Yeah, Zach's one of those people. He's going with a draw. I'm leaning more with you with Brentford here, but I'm uneasy on anything I take here because Forest are proven to be similar how Brentford were last year. They were in on every game, and Brentford are on a downslope, but I think they can bounce one back here. I think Mbwemo's been a little quiet recently and could really prove to get, uh, be a get-back or a get-right game. Okay, and then Fulham versus Chelsea up next. Uh, Matt? Are you taking your mob or not? Uh, yeah, I'm back on the delusion train. I'm going to go with Chelsea here. And, uh, Fulham don't give too much. Similar style to last week with Watkins not look not have, being able to score all year and getting his first against us. I could see Jimenez doing the same, which would be something special. Um, but we are we are charitable at this moment to do that for him. Um, but I'm going to take Chelsea still. Zach's going to go with a draw. Okay. 
Um, I'm gonna go with Chelsea. I'm falling into the delusion trap too. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I'm gonna go with them. I'm going to. I see. Like I'm picking because I'm a fan. It's just ride, but I don't know what you're following. My gut, man. Nico Jackson being out is the difference. Low key, it is. He can't score. Maybe I think Broya might be better. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go with Chelsea. It's crazy to think Bournemouth was trying to get him in January and couldn't get things done, and then Chelsea decided to get him. Bournemouth kind of dodged a bullet. Yeah. Uh, And then our last game of the week: Luton Town versus Burnley. That's October third. That's a Tuesday game. Um. Probably the two worst teams in the league. Uh, this one's a mess. I don't know. I don't want to even pick. Uh, you can give me Burnley. I think they they should win this. Zach's with. He's taking Burnley. Uh, I'm going to take Luton just because they're home. Okay, that's fair. At the uh, crispy little stadium they have there, very homely. It will be a true championship team uh, match. Indeed, this one's gonna feel like uh, it's gonna be. Uh, if it would, if it's raining, that'll make it even more championshipy. Um, yeah, we still got good and bad player of the week. Oh yes, we do. Yes, we do. Matt, who's your good player of the week? Well, let me drop it. I'm the best man. I hmm. did it. Uh. A lot of good options this week. Um, you had Saka put up a great performance in the Arsenal match. Matoma's substitute appearance was great. Um, I think I'm going to have to give it to Johnny Evans. Yeah, um, got to, got to. I appreciate I think, that. I think for what where he's come from, his journey after United, he was a, a part of that serial, bunch of serial winners at the end of that with Ferguson. Um, and then coming back and proving to still be that guy for them and big moments with the goal vard off and then coming with that massive assist that ultimately won him the game. Uh, I think it's massive for them, especially with the depth and center back being an issue at the moment. He, he rose to the occasion. Uh, Zach is going with Tarkowski for Everton. Uh, he said for his first goal of the year, uh, Everton's first win, the club captain and, uh, that he's loved by the club and fans. All right. Um, I'm going to go with James Garner. He, uh, he had an unbelievable game. Uh, a lot of the positive play that Everton had stemmed from him on the flank. I think I think he had a really, really good game. I was extremely impressed, uh, honestly. He's a younger player, uh, and I think he looked really good. So I'm going to give it to James Garner. I was, I was thoroughly impressed with him this week. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to our bad player, brought to you by Stephen A. Zach had Rodri. Uh, yeah. for obvious reasons, short temper killed him, killed him in the match uh, made Casemiro's red cards look like fair play, that's what Zach had to say, um, who would you say was the bad player of the week um I'm gonna have to give it to Naefa Gerd. Uh this is a guy for West Ham center back that continually makes horrific defensive blunders um, the penalty was not the worst blunder I've seen from him, but it was definitely not good. He killed any sort of momentum that West Ham had. Um, honestly, with that, you know, the goal going in for Salah, uh, they were just they, they got smothered after that. After Salah scored the first goal, I'm gonna give it to him. I think I think that's a huge mistake not stepping to the ball earlier because it did come off a deflection, uh, and just instead standing there flat footed and basically ripping Salah down. 
That's a huge mistake. I think it, it potentially cost them a point or maybe three. That West Ham were genuinely in that game early. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give it to, to Nyefa Garrett. Yeah. Um, if I had to give it just to one player, I'd have to give it to Jorginho for what he did in the Arsenal I match. I fucking forgot about that, yeah. Honorable mention to him, but I'm going to have to go with uh, what I did previous weeks with the manager. I'm going to have to go with Paul Heckenbottom for uh, Sheffield. Losing 8-0 at home is never acceptable. It's similar to uh, NFL again. The Dolphins putting 70 on the Broncos. That's not acceptable at the highest of level in a professional sport. You can't give eight goals to a team, no matter what, if they're the best or if they're the top of the top or mid-table. It's not acceptable. and I don't know how he writes the ship there. So I might have to go with Paul, Paul Heckenbottom. All right. Fair enough. Uh, that he's totally fair game. Okay. Anything else? Uh, nope. If you guys would follow us on our socials at post 20 pod on Instagram and Twitter, follow us on all of our streaming platforms where you guys can listen to this episode as well as past and future episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple podcasts. Um, make sure you check out the other upcoming content this week, uh, tomorrow or Wednesday, Evan's going to come out with a new episode for the NFL show with Jeremy. Looking forward to hear that. And tomorrow, uh, actually, how, how all your picks went. Yeah, it'll be tomorrow because I have, um, potential, I got something going on Wednesday. I have a scramble that I have to play in. So, uh, okay. episode will be out Tuesday. You guys are getting in the day early. Uh, I, will be as soon as I turn this off, I got to tune into the game. So I know what I'm talking about uh, for tomorrow's show. All right, guys, again, thanks for listening. Like Matt said, check us out on social media. Uh, you can find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple podcast. And until next week, enjoy the games. Take care. Stay safe. We'll see you then.